squandered all that money on riotous living. He was hardworking, respectable. He stayed on the family farm. He had a sense of responsibility. And, uh, you know, he certainly saw this as the good kid, bad kid. You know, he was he was the one who really sacrificed and slaved and, you know, deserved uh, what he saw the uh, prodigal son, his younger brother, as getting. So he was pretty upset about that. And... Um, you know, that's kind of uh, what Jesus is trying to get at, I think, in this story. Because the whole context of the Pharisees and scribes grumbling, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. They're upset because of Jesus' attitude toward the people they thought of as being worse than they were. And so really, he's kind of describing them, and maybe us, in this depiction of the attitude of this elder brother. So the father is, you know, throwing the party for the lost brother who's been found. He's so excited to see him. He's not giving him a spanking or a lecture. He's walking with open arms. And so that's the background. So would somebody read 25 to 32? Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in, and his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead, and has begun to live, and was lost, and has been found. Well, (coughs) the older son... Here's what's going on, calls one of the servants and finds out that this is the party the father's thrown for this uh, younger brother who's come back home. And he is not happy. Wow. I mean, he's angry. You know, he's not willing to go in. You know, he's out there pouting. And the father comes out and starts to plead with him. And we get a, a better sense, maybe, of what's going on with this older brother. You know, he says, look what all I've been doing for you. You know, as I've been slaving away. And I've done everything you said. You've never even given me, not even a goat, much less a fatted calf, for me to have fun with my friends. But this son of yours came, who wasted all your good hard-earned money, and you throw a big party for him. So what do you see in the attitude of that older brother? Self-righteousness. Very self-righteous. You know, he didn't see his own sin. You almost get the impression that he thought his father hadn't given him a fair shake. You know, that maybe he was owed more than what he's gotten. You know, 
And he's, he's just very uh, upset that his superior behavior and work ethic hasn't been duly recognized. So he's not seeing his the blessing of his having a father like he has and being able to be with him. He's seeing this as, man, I deserve more than what I'm getting. Part of me wonders if this wasn't more of an ongoing behavior, but the other part of me wonders if this wasn't a situation that, you know, perhaps he worked diligently up until this point, and when presented with the situation, all of a sudden now he sees how his father reacts to his um, to his brother, and that brings out, you know, this reaction in him, which, you know, I think we spend plenty of time about thinking about the heart of the older brother from that perspective that this is how he's always been he's always felt but I think there's plenty of situations that we face where we're given the opportunity to decide how we're going to react to a situation and that's what came out of him was this sense of self-righteousness so how could he have reacted <coughs> he could have been thankful the brother came back he could have been overjoyed and rushed in to welcome the other brother home and, you know, join the party. I mean, it, this could have been a wonderful day for him because his younger brother has come home. You know, this one who'd been lost and doing such terrible things and now he's come back and, you know, he, he wants to be in the family and he wants to, he wants to do the right thing. Uh, that, that's the way he could have, uh, you know, responded. But that's not the way he thinks about this. That's not the way he sees it. You know, have you ever thought about the fact that it's a good thing that the prodigal son didn't meet him first? <laughs> you know? Um, the nerve of this kid showing back up after breaking his father's heart. You know, what in the world does he think he's doing coming back around here again, wanting to get in on a little bit more of the money? You know? You kind of you, There's a sense in which you can see why he felt that way. I mean... I think the thing that's disturbing is there's a lot of what he, how he reacts that seems like, well, yeah, you're right, you know, and and I think ultimately it comes down to how we see ourselves in the Lord, you know, if we look at our service to God as look at all we've done for God, and man, these guys who mess up. And near the end of their life, they turn it back to God. They get forgiven, and everything is hunky-dory. You know, and we don't see how much we need God's grace. We don't see... We, it's almost like we think we've earned better than what they're getting. And we're not getting our fair share. So it's a lack of understanding of grace and a lack of understanding of our need. Just like the Pharisees. They were as lost as those tax collectors and sinners, but they didn't see themselves that way. Well, it's somewhat similar to uh, the parable about um, the man who went out and hired individuals at different times of the day, and then those who were hired first began grumbling. They got paid by you know, the they got paid the same as those who were hired at the end of the day and worked less. I mean, when we start to operate on our own perceived sense of justice about you know, well, I've you know, this has happened, so I believe this should happen. And that's 
what can get us off track a lot of times as well. So it's resentment over God's grace given to others. You know, in that story, it's a great story uh, right along the same line. <coughs> the the owner of the farm had agreed, they'd agreed to the price they were going to make for the day's work. It wasn't that they were upset about what they got. They were upset about what these other guys got who hadn't worked so hard. Hadn't been for that, they'd have been fine. So we get resentful. You know, it's like, what do you have to do to get a party around here? You know, uh, it's kind of, to him it makes a mockery of all the stuff he's done. You know, he's resentful and he's envious. You know, not so much, you know, what he'd received, but what this other kid had received that to him didn't deserve it. And I think it's interesting. Did you notice what he said he wanted to do? You know, you've never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with you. No, so I might celebrate with my friends. You know, I I really wonder if this older brother all along wishes he could have done what that younger brother did. If it hasn't bothered him that this younger brother's going to have all this fun. Here he is on the family farm. He's working every day. This younger brother... He just knows he's living it up. He's been doing, you know, <coughs> he's not interested in being with his father when he has the party. <laughs> you know, he wants to have a big uh, fling for his friends. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. Uh, but but I think that's that's an interesting uh, interesting thing that he wanted. And I also think, you know, he's resentful of the fact that this younger boy hasn't got a good whipping. Or, you know, it's just, it's just like you, you just received him back. You know, you can't just do that. It's too, that's, that's not right. And again, it's a lack of understanding our need for God's grace. You know, the fact that God lets us be with him is an act of grace. We, you know, look at it this way. You know, think about the difference between you and this person that you think is just being received too quickly and easily. If that person had all the benefits and blessings you had had, I wonder where they'd be. You know, it's easy for those of us who've been really blessed. We've been around so many Christians. We've got such ease and access to Bible study material, encouragement, and, you know, there's blessings of all sorts. And then look at somebody who's had, you know, a terrible situation. Well, I'm better than they are. Well, I guess... You know, I mean, really, I think when we're looking at our blessings a lot of times and realizing how little we've done with all we've been given, that may help us to humble ourselves more and to recognize, you know, wow, God has been so merciful to me. He's forgiven me so much. He's been willing to receive me back. I think that's a key in this. Thoughts? I think it shows a lot about the Father and about our Father in that. He went out and began pleading with him, the older brother, to come in too. Like Jesus wanted the Pharisees to, he wanted their salvation just as much as sinners and just as God wants any, all, all people's salvation. So it just shows a lot about his love. Yeah, he doesn't just turn away from this older brother and say, well, if that's the way you want to feel, I'm even going to go out and talk to you. No, he wants him too. He loves him too. You know, the same father that loves the prodigal son loves the elder brother and he shows that and he pleads with him. So there's an amazing tenderness in God's love. And, you know, sometimes we can be really harsh 
and super critical of the older brothers, too. And the father wasn't going to back down on his acceptance of the prodigal son, but he was concerned to try to reach out to the older brother. Right. Uh, you know, the, the older brother isn't seeing all of the younger brother's experience. You know, he sees him go off with all the money and then, you know, come back and have a party and, like, it's just been, you know, the greatest life ever. He never saw the, the hog farm and the famine and all that. Um, Good so point. really the older brother is kind of in the same position as the younger brother was before he left. Um, you know, that, that same attitude. He hasn't gained the wisdom that the younger brother has. Yeah, and, and you know, have. when we look at this party lifestyle the younger brother was living in the far country, just how great was that for him? I mean, you know, we tend to envy the lifestyle of the, you know, pleasure-loving sinners, and I don't think it's nearly as good as it's cracked up to be. A lot better to be with the father the whole time. I'm wondering, did the older brother ever ask for a young goat? (laughs) I mean, mean, in the sense that it's like he expects it to be given to him as opposed to, hey, Dad, I'd like to throw a, a little party with my friends. Can I have a goat? Uh, <laughs> and his father would say, yeah, sure, in all likelihood, as opposed to the father having to notice, you're doing a good job, son. Here, have a goat to have a party. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Just, I think that just goes with the attitude, you know, the accusation is more than the the request. Right. But, but what is... You know, the three stories are not identical, no. but they're all aimed at the same audience, the same point. You know, they're, they're complaining because he's eating with sinners. Right. And he says, well, which one of you, you know, if you had 100 sheep and lost one, wouldn't go out and find it? And, and so once again, Jesus doesn't directly answer the question, but he gives this, these parables so that they're supposed to be able to see that that he's looking for those lost sinners. But it almost looks like he's saying, you guys are already in the fold, I'm going after the lost sinners. You see what I'm saying with that? Which I don't think was the case. They would have said that was the case. Maybe this story shows that a little bit. And and maybe the third one gets to that. Right, exactly. More. Yeah, I think it does. Because really, it looks to me like, that the older son was as lost as that prodigal ever was, even though he'd never left home. Right. And I always wonder, I mean, parables are parables. (laughs) How much detail can you go into? Obviously, in, in the story, the father knows that the son has repented and come back. You know, it, it, you would lose something in that physical story. If he just walks in and he throws a party for him and, you know, oh, he's back, let's have a party, but you have no idea. Yeah, Dad, I'm back, now I want another share of the inheritance. You know what I'm saying? So there's some implied things in that that don't fit with the physical story. Though the son at least uh, started his uh, spiel. I don't know if the father let him go through right. that. But, that's but I guess if I was comparing that to God and us, he would know right. when we're coming back and... You know, so there is a limited way in which this... 
in other words, if somebody walks back into the congregation and just, hey, you know, oh, we walk back in the door, oh, wonderful, let's throw a party. That that doesn't equate 100% unless there is a repentance that is shown. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I agree with you, the parables, you know, it's hard to know how far to go with them. But, I mean, I think <coughs> the whole spirit we understand from what the boy was going to say. <clears throat> You know, right. I've sinned against heaven in your sight, you know. And he started that, at least, with the Father. I mean, the person who's repentant, that's what he feels, that's what he wants to say, you know. He wasn't, you know, and, and, and we may not always know. I mean, you know, could it be that when somebody comes and says, I've really done wrong, I've really messed up, and I really want to change, that they're just putting on front? Yeah, it could be. We're not always going to know that. But I think we would at least... I'd say require that much. The, the statement you're saying. Yes, yes. I mean, that's. I guess that's where I'm saying. You know, if somebody walked back in the door, we wouldn't automatically assume that they have repented and confessed it. You know, unless there was something. Yeah, I mean, you know, what if you thought about it from the standpoint of a family as opposed to a church building or something like that? And a kid has gone off AWOL for a long time and comes back. I think our attitude would be joyful. Now, we may want to work to try to make sure the person, our child, is really returning and has the, you know, going to be where they need to be and all that. But I think our initial feeling, our initial reaction would be great joy. It wouldn't be standoffishness. It would be rushing to welcome them and trying to work <coughs> with them. And I think that's, you know, I, I think the thing about this older brother is, you know, he, he, he didn't want the younger brother to be back. He didn't want him to be repentant and accepted. You know, so we want our prodigal brothers to come back. That's our, we're eager for that. We're looking forward to that. We want to promote that. Sarah? No, I mean, if you look at just what the servant told the older brother, it's just, okay, your brother's back mm. and we're having a party. Not, your brother came back, he was wearing rags and he smelled like a pig pen and <laughs> he begged your, started to beg your father and then he got dressed with the robe and the ring and then the cap and, and all of that. I mean, I don't know. So we, so that's a good point. Again, I don't know how far to press the parable, right. but you know, his first thought should have been joyful that his brother came back home. There may be more questions to ask, and certainly more to be concerned about in trying to help the brother be, sh- be sure he's where he needs to be. But our first thought is joy. Not our our first thought ought not to be skepticism. And I wonder if he's really back, or is this really just, you know, I don't think that's what our, that's not what our desire should be. We're wanting them to be back, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're not resentful that they could come back and receive grace and be accepted and look at all they got by with. We don't think of it that way at all. (coughs) All right, other thoughts or comments on this story? Well, the older brother could have had a party with the fatted calf if he had just gone into the existing party. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I mean, you know, but who would want to go in with a party with that kid? 
think it's interesting that it's the older brother who needs convincing of bringing him back. I think it's it's odd because it seems like, to me at least, it's hard to make an argument. I think that the older brother was personally wronged in any way. It's the father who was wronged, and so ordinarily, like in life, you're like other people are trying to convince the person who was wronged to be okay with it. No, it's the person who was wronged who's trying to convince the guy who's not wronged to be okay with it. You know. Well, you know, this might be a you know, yeah, that's very true. I, I'm thinking about another idea tangentially. You know, how many times in families is there a good kid and a bad kid? And you think about the fact <laughs> that uh, the, the, the good kids may not be so good. You know, this, this is probably a poor illustration. I probably used it before. But, but I thought this was really interesting one time. I was in Brazil. It's been years ago. And at the time, there was these two boys in this family. I'd say they were about nine and five, maybe ten and six. And the older one was perfect, and the younger one was terrible. And that's exactly the way, the way the parents saw them and everybody else. So I was seated at the dining room table, and they were, the parents were right in the kitchen right beside, it's almost like here, you know, finishing up food and bringing it to the table. And the two boys had this little small table that I was looking right at with these two little chairs on either side of the table. So they were both standing there. And so I saw exactly what happened. The older boy reached out his leg, and without his younger brother realizing it, managed to move the chair away to where when the younger brother sat down, he crashed to the floor, and the chair wasn't there anymore. And of course, as you might imagine in this situation, when he crashes to the floor, both parents are like, Mateus! And I'm like, I'm not going to let this happen. I said, that was Lucas! And I pointed out what he'd done. They were like, Lucas! <laughs> and I had an idea that wasn't the only time that it happened. <laughs> you know how that gets to be sometimes. Sometimes the good kid is the better manipulator. And uh, sometimes the bad kid... I'll tell you the thing about the bad kid that sometimes helps. Is that they realize they're bad. The problem with the good kid is we don't realize we're bad. You know, so that's where we've got to watch our attitude when we're like the good kid is, you know, we're not as good as we think we are. If we really think before God we are so almost perfect, we are going to resent God's grace because we don't see that we are the beneficiaries of it too. Look. I think going off a little bit on that, the father's perspective is that they both are sons and our perspective needs, needs to be that we're sons who need the father's love. But our perspective also needs to be, this is my brother. He says, this son of yours, yes. instead of saying, this brother of mine. Yes. We need to realize, we're brothers, we're all lost, we need each other, and we need God, first of all. Yeah. That, that humility to see our need for grace is going to make us so much more gracious toward you know, prodigal sons. Well, at the end of the day, it all comes down to the individual challenges that each of us face. You know, it's easy to you know, look down on the more heinous challenges of the bad child, so to speak. But those challenges to overcome are no different than the challenges of the quote-unquote good kid who is prideful about being good or prideful about, you know, 
well, I've been raised this way, I have lived such a good life, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, it's still a challenge that needs to be overcome because we've all been given the exact same gift and in order to understand and make that gift real to us, you know, I just have to understand the challenges are at the end of the day all sin to overcome. Right. Good point. Other thoughts? Sarah? So, playing off of what somebody or another said uh, about convincing you know, that the one who was wrong, the father had to convince the older brother to come in. But should the younger son have been more difficult convinced that he was worthy of the Father's grace? I really butchered that question. But Well, I think the point is he's not. We're not worthy of grace. Right. So we need grace. I think that's what he realized. I mean, I guess we don't have, we don't have a picture of the younger son protesting, no, Dad, you can't. You can't do this for me. Just, just let me be a servant and, and, you know. I know he wanted to do that and as opposed to, I don't know, just a random thought that flittered in and out before I go. <laughs> well, I, I think I think recognizing our unworthiness of grace is the point on either side. Okay. And, yeah. Well, you think that story was <coughs> difficult? Try this next one. Jesus uh, continues with parables. I don't know if the 